everybody and welcome to the 115th episode of the You Thought Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm here with the normal crew. We got Bart, we have Jared, we have Aiden, and we have Wyatt. And we're going to jump right in with some news we missed like we always do. Start with a little bit of basketball because the show's pretty football heavy today. Um, Auburn men's basketball, ranked number one for the first time in school history. Pretty fun fact for them. Good for Auburn. Yeah. Um, and Bruce Pearl just got a huge contract out of that, right? Like fifty yeah. million. Fifty million, extension. I think it was. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um in other minor basketball news, Joel Embiid is now the odds on favorite to win the MVP. I just thought I'd throw that in there for my own <laughs> personal satisfaction. I'm sure we'll have some debates about sure. that later as the year goes on. Um but at one point he was fifty to one this year and now it's the odds on favorite, which is like the fact that he's like so dramatically close that pretty impressive. I'm um, surprised that it's him and not Jokic right now. Yeah. <laughs> Bart will I think always, it's a... yeah. <laughs> Bart will die think... on this hill. Not wrongfully necessarily, but... <laughs> I think it's just like yeah. the narrative thing. Like it always is. It's like, well, we gave it to Jokic last right. year. That's yeah. has to be somebody exactly. new this year. Like, the, the Sixers think... are seated higher than the Nuggets right now, so it's team success is a thing. Yeah, exactly. Well... Um, moving away from some basketball, we'll be back right at the end of the episode, but into a lot of football news we missed. First, the Washington football team is no more. Uh, they have renamed themselves the Washington Commanders. Uh, any initial thoughts on that? I, it's, the Washington football team was cooler. I, <laughs> I honestly... Yes. <laughs> the Commanders just is like, it's just so flat to me, and I texted the group chat when, when I saw it. Also, they released it so early that I was like, oh, it's the Commanders. Like, there wasn't really any build-up to it to me. <laughs> It just like all of a sudden they it boomed at the commanders, but it's like one of the most boring logos and uniforms in the entire league, and I'm just not very excited about them anymore. Or no, I never I lo- really was, but I like how they have the logo on the front of the helmet. Did you see that? Like it's not like in one of their jerseys, it's not on the side. Like it normally yeah. would be, it's like straight smack dab in the middle. What the? <laughs> yeah. Also in the. Um, in their like video building up to it on their Instagram, it's like, oh, we want to pay homage to the history. And there was just one cut of just, I'm not even gonna say it, the R word that they had on there. Mm-hmm. It, that held down there for like two seconds. I was like, you guys really want to focus on that? Like, yeah, you know, there's a reason why you're changing your name. Exactly. Yeah, that's not great. But I don't know. Like, I I, I agree with you on. I think like I kind of came to enjoy the Washington football team as a name. Yeah. Like, I thought it was legitimately kind of cool at this yeah. point, but. I don't know. Uh, they really just feel like a generic, like like a team in a commercial, like a TV <laughs> yeah, um, commercial, yeah. you know, like exactly. where they're showing. No, we don't, the game we don't on need more TV. trick plays. Exactly, and it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like one of like the five like preset like logos from the team on Madden yeah, exactly. or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Random generated teams, yeah. Yeah, but who knows? Um, well, they have a head coach. We weren't really talking about that, but I'll use that to segue into the next one. <laughs> there are a bunch of teams that now have head coaches that didn't last time we met. So the Broncos, uh, they hired Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who sounds like a pilgrim. That's my only comment on him in terms of his name. Uh, the Bears hired Colts offensive coordinator Matt Eberfluss. Eberfluss? Does anybody know how to pronounce it? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Raiders hired Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, who was briefly the head coach of the Broncos in 2009-2010. And Colts. And the Colts, yes, as well. Um, and the Giants uh, hired Bills offensive coordinator Brian Ooh. Dabble. We'll get to you in a second for their Wyatt. And last, uh, the Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell. So Wyatt, Bart, your teams both have new head coaches. Instant reactions from either of you? Uh, super stoked. To have Brian Dayball. I am going to be a little bummed. I listened to some press conferences and comments where he said that he may not be the play caller, which kind of feels like, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) I would trust that he would hire a guy who is a good play caller, but we know that Brian Dayball already is a good play caller, so I'd like to see him do it. But overall, this is the first time that the Giants have fired both the GM and the head coach at the same time and brought in two guys with the same vision. So I can have a little bit more to be excited about. I want to be frozen and then unthawed back in September when the season is actually starting all over again, and I get to—I don't have to wait any longer to see what they do. Yeah, Bart, what are your thoughts? I'm—I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I don't know. I mean, I know Harbaugh was in the in the 
midst of it all but uh i'm not super sad that he didn't get hired after all to be honest with you i don't know i don't know how much o'connell brings that's not mcveigh since he's the offensive coordinator there we'll see about all that but i feel like getting a coordinator from a super bowl team is a w um just generally speaking so yeah i'm happy with it all right and and another sort of head coaching related news um Brian Flores fired suit against the NFL for discrimination in hiring. Um, a lot of it came out because, or some of the main evidence was that apparently the Dolphins were high, were paying him $100,000 to lose games at, at one point because they wanted better draft picks. A whole other bunch of evidence about just discriminatory practices in hiring. And it all sort of came to a head because of Bill Belichick accidentally texting Brian Dable that he had gotten the job. Um, and but he or accidentally texting Brian Flores that he got the job with Brian Dable had actually gotten the job before Flores even got hired. So interviewed. not a great look on or interviewed. Yes, interviewed. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy with all that there. I read oh, yeah, text I, I, messages and sorry, Jared. I uh, go ahead. I was just shocked mainly about how Bill Belichick texts because <laughs> when I first <laughs> no. read him, I was like, these aren't real. There's no yeah. way he uses that many exclamation points or anything like that. Oh, and Jared, just to finish up my, my thought here, he dropped a couple of names that are pretty notable. You know, Tom Brady was part of a, uh, what's it called, tampering thing that the, that the Dolphins were trying to be a part of. And then, of course, now Bill Belichick is also named with the text messages. So he has some pretty notable people that are that you could probably ask a couple questions to if it, if it came down to it. So. I am right. curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's pretty the frustrating thing about it is just is like hearing Brian Flores speak from what I obviously like none of us know him, but from what I've seen, he seems like a very principled man. And yeah. the fact that he it was a principled man and that led to his downfall, basically, that the owner was mad that he didn't tank, even though the GM still could have drafted Justin Herbert, decided yeah. to go with Tua and then accepted no blame, essentially. I think it's pretty frustrating. Um and you know he Brian Flores, like he said, he still wants to coach in the NFL. But at some point, it's like just think he talked about like how humiliating it would be to show up to an interview when you already know they've decided yeah. on another candidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Bill Belichick's like wording didn't mean they actually like decided on a candidate. Like maybe I'm sure that's what the Giants will say. But it's pretty like like he said, he was like it felt humiliating. I think that's uh, it's pretty sad to hear that. I think. Yeah, it's. Um, I think another one of the stories too is that John Elway yeah. had like sh- showed up like visibly hungover to his interview um, when he interviewed when they hired Vic Fangio a few years back, um, and yeah, I mean it just feels like almost like he's probably not going to get a job again, it, which is just like really frustrating. And it, it's I, I mean I think it's sort of similar to like what happened with Kaepernick and everything, where it's just like somebody takes that stand and has to take that stand, and now. I don't know. Yeah, well, but, luckily <laughs> nobody has, you know, turned down any any interviews or canceled any interviews with him. He yeah, still was able to interview with the Saints. Mm-hmm. He interviewed with the Texans as well. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. I think, I do think that the Texans are still legitimate champs, especially mm-hmm. because I think Kevin O'Connell's gone and his other competition is like Josh McCown. But yeah. you know, I think that also that's also part of the frustrating thing is the fact that Brian Flores and Josh McCown are both kind of the con- the name of head coaches and Brian Flores is kind of being the one labeled as incompetent in that in that situation especially with what Jared said that he he's a man of principle and he lost his job because of it and then they yeah. deemed him hard to work with you know? yeah it's like like, yeah. The, like Come those on. type of things are just kind of they they're inappropriate and they're false and i think that there is a legitimate case against the dolphins as far as like defamation of character you know type deal where like in mm. this is like a bigger issue with i think black athletes and black coaches in sports is that if you're a man of principle or you you disagree you're hard to work with if you have a big personality you're a diva or you're a distraction and i think that those are those are kind of commonly common things that happen to a lot of coaches and athletes uh, who who are black that kind of get labeled in a box and then they get overlooked and it's frustrating for sure and I hope that Brian Flores is able to still land a job and, and be a successful coach. And I also wish that it was just as simple as 
The Texans hire Josh McCown. They fail. They look like idiots. Brian Flores goes and flourishes somewhere else. But it, that might not be the case at all. And that's that's also just another frustrating thing. Also, too, just I mean, I'm at this point, I'm like rehashing what a lot of other people have said. But I did want to like also talk about how the NFL like literally like an hour later yeah. after like was like this is completely false and it's like you didn't even do an investigation like the the he was on they were on get up and his lawyers were like they investigated deflated footballs longer than they investigated this <laughs> like they literally like within an hour they were like this is false like you have to you at least appear now we know if you do do an investigation you you already have your conclusion and you're just going to find some way to like reason it out it's well it's frustrating they always say HR doesn't work for the employees. They work for the company. So they're going to yeah. do whatever it takes to protect their brand. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, it's so transparent in that, like yeah. they probably just spend an hour drafting that message, like with their PR team and mm-hmm. just released yeah. it. And like, hopefully they'll retract it. We'll see. But yeah. And I, yeah. Just some closing thoughts. Uh, I, I totally understand. I, I think that there's, there, there's a part where, you could be like, obviously the Giants were going to bring in Brian Dayball. They hired a guy from the Bills, you know, type thing where, where there might be some clear connections there. And I think I would, there has to be a change and I don't know what it means to, for the NFL, but for something like the Rooney rule where they're required to bring in two minority coaches because Patrick Graham had a nine hour interview with the Vikings and didn't get the job. Apparently they already had Jim Harbaugh written down. So it's just like the NFL is forcing teams to waste their time and then there's just it's just like it's embarrassing and it's humiliating and i know that it may be more humiliating for black candidates to not get interviews at all but there has to be like some sort of reasonable change somewhere in the middle ground between the 13 percent of black people that, that make up the country and the 70 percent of black people that make up the nfl like there has to be a change where teams start to to bring in more of those minorities in, into their programs yeah and it's also Last thing I do want to say too is I'm I am excited for Dable at with the Giants as long as like I don't know maybe there's some way where that relationship doesn't continue but I think it was a good hire too and you know it's nothing against him or like Bill Belichick even he just was like privy to this knowledge he wasn't like colluding or anything um so yeah there's no hard feelings there or anything but it's a frustrating situation at the league basically the owners is who yeah. people are frustrated at yeah and I think. Absolutely rightfully so. so. We'll see. I wish them the best in the lawsuit. I hope it works out and effectuates some actual change. But yep. we'll see. Um, to wrap up our news we missed, um, Brian Kelly danced with that recruit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the recruit chose not to go to LSU. He chose well, to go to I thought that was the commitment that. video. Wasn't that? I, yeah, that's what I, I thought, that. but I guess that not. That was absolutely my impression. But yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Did you I think the Broncos are for sale? Oh, the Broncos are for sale too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Last little bit of football. Any, any bidders, just so you guys know, it's on the market. <laughs> yeah, we'll pull. We'll, we'll pull our resources. Exactly. <laughs> you think they don't accept an offer of like four thousand dollars? <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, heading into our main segments for the week. There was actually some football played this past weekend. Uh, the AFC and NFC championships happened. We're going to look a little bit at each. We're going to start with the AFC. And the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to their first Super Bowl since the 1988 season um, after they had two wins two years ago and four wins last year. So this begs the question, Jared. Is the Bengals' turnaround this year the best of the last decade? And what do we think were the biggest factors in this turnaround? Yeah, I think I think it is the biggest turnaround in the last decade. I, I would say so. Like, the Bengals... Hadn't even won a playoff game since the 1990 season. The playoff game was in 91, but the 1990 season, they hadn't won a playoff game. Like the Andy Dalton years, they made five straight playoff appearances, actually, but they lost in the wild card round every year. So I I always viewed them as a, a dysfunctional franchise, to be honest. And I think it's a great turnaround. But let's be honest, it, it's it's Joe Burrow that's the factor here and just one generational transformational talent. That not only changed the offense, but just changed the entire culture, I think, of mm-hmm. the team, of the organization, in terms of his whole messaging is all about, like, we don't want this underdog narrative. We expect we expect to be here. Joe Burrow expects to win. He does not expect anything mm-hmm. other than that. And mm-hmm. I think just that transformation 
potentially another generational talent in Jamar Chase as well. Mm-hmm. I think were the main reasons for it. So I, I call it a turnaround, but not necessarily a rebuild. They probably a lot of people said they had the worst roster probably to make it to the divisional round, mm-hmm. and one of the worst. Excuse me, one of the worst to make the playoffs. Like they have such a glaringly bad offensive line that I can't say it's they like they have a very glaring weakness on their team, and mm-hmm. I think it's mostly so that's why I th- I'd say it's like a turnaround, like you said in the question. Rather than a true rebuild, I guess. Um, mm. The Bengals, some a couple other contenders outside of the decade in terms of best turnarounds. The Bengals actually their last playoff um, or one of their other previous playoff runs to the Super Bowl. They went four and eleven in nineteen eighty seven, and then went to the Super Bowl the next season. They lost, mm-hmm. but that was a pretty good turnaround. Mm-hmm. I think probably the best single season turnaround is the 1999 Rams. They went from 4 and 12 and then they won the Super Bowl the next season with Kurt Warner. And that was when like um I believe the team they're playing was the, I want to say it was the Titans and uh they were literally like a yard short of of winning that game. So um that was Classic. a great turnaround. I think the greatest like single season wins to like wins between two seasons as far as I'm aware, is a tie between the 1999 Colts, which was Peyton Manning's second mm-hmm. season. They went from mm-hmm. three and thirteen to thirteen and three, and yeah. then the um, 2008 Dolphins went from one and eleven to eleven and five. So I, I believe that's those are the two biggest single season turnarounds in terms of wins. Um, I have a couple other notes on what I think were better rebuilds throughout the decade, but I want to give some other people to to talk. So I'm not talking for too long. <laughs> I'll throw out another this decade rebuild um, that I think is pretty similar. The 2019 49ers, um, like the Bengals, they went from 4 and 12 to a Super Bowl appearance in the next year. They were 4 and 12 2018, went to the Super Bowl in 2019. So at this point, they're at like identical spots almost. Um, so, you know, if the Bengals lose the Super Bowl, it would be pretty equivalent. But I think you might also have to give the, the 49ers a little bit more credit there. And that, like, the Bengals were blessed with, like, this generational talent at quarterback who, like, was able to facilitate the turnaround. With the 49ers, it had to be, like, a whole team turnaround because mm-hmm. Jimmy G at quarterback is not <laughs> what most would consider a generational talent. Like, a good, solid quarterback. But I think, like, the whole team sort of rebuilt it in a way that there was, like, not as many huge glaring mistakes in the way that, like, Jared, you mentioned there are with the Bengals. So I would put out maybe the 2019 49ers. It's yeah. a roughly equivalent <laughs> sort of turnaround at yeah. this point in the last decade. One of the wild things about Jimmy G is that he's, like, so average, I feel like, in every way. And yet, without him, the 49ers, like, when he's been injured, the 49ers have been terrible. Awful. Like, I forget what what exactly the record is, but Jimmy G has been, like, has a very high winning percentage of starting quarterback for the 49ers. And without him, it's, like, it's atrocious. It's, like, you know, bottom 10, 5 in the league. From the the things I've read and, like, watched... I think a lot of people that listen to this consistently know I, I listen to Colin Coward, but mm-hmm. he said that like his intangibles are very good in terms of like the team loves to play for him and he's like mm-hmm. a foxhole guy in terms of like sure he's he's gonna battle. Like he battled through the injury this this mm-hmm. entire postseason. Um so I think there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't so I, I did consider the forty ers there, but I didn't consider it's a good turnaround, but I didn't consider it a rebuild because they didn't really replicate that success until this year again with like a, a decent window. I thought the Harbaugh rebuild was actually better because they went to three straight conference championships and a super and one of those was a Super Bowl run as well. So yeah. I thought the Harbaugh one was a little bit better, but yeah. 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 Another one I want to throw in kind of in the same vein of um like a QB or rookie QB, young QB turning a team around drastically. Um, is the Colts in 2012 with Andrew Luck? I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of forget about Andrew Luck because his you know career was so short lived. Um, but in 2011, Peyton Manning was injured. They went two and 14, um, and the next year they went 11 and five. And they obviously didn't make the Super Bowl, but that's a pretty wild turnaround for a, a rookie QB. And I'm sure that wasn't the only factor, um, but a nine game difference. If you want to talk about rookie QB, Wyatt, rookie QBs, Wyatt, how about Dak, rookie mm-hmm. year? What about him? What has he done? They went, they went from four wins to has thirteen wins. Mm-hmm. Thirteen wins. They crashed out in the first round of the well, playoffs. That's crazy. <laughs> great, or great in their first game. Yeah. How about this, Jared? 
the, Give it to uh, me. the 2021 to the 2022 New York Giants next year making a Super Bowl. <laughs> what? So you mean the 2022-23 Giants? Well, I don't know. What, what's, what's, the <laughs> How, what's the window actually look like? Because <clears throat> yeah. the, the season's over. The, our season ended in 2021, so, <laughs> you know. Who knows? They're that. never going to win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones, though. They might make it there like a Jimmy G situation, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I bet you. Jared Goff, same thing. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They might get there, but they won't win it. We'll see. I got some bets <laughs> up my sleeve here. Uh, I'm not going to shoot the gun here. I think yeah, Jamar I thought Chase, you were about to book something. <laughs> I was. I think like Jamar it. Chase deserves a little bit more credit for the Bengals' turnaround. And not that we're yeah, discrediting yeah. him at all, but he was a huge part in the turnaround. I think the chemistry with him and Joe Burrow is incredibly important for that offense. And I think that Debo Samuel showed how important a wide receiver mm-hmm. position could be for the team. And yeah. I would say that the wide receiver position is now the second most important position on an offense outside of quarterback. The versatility that you can use a wide receiver for is incredible, especially, you know, Kyle Shanahan is one of the smartest guys in the league. So it's he deserves a lot of credit for kind of making this breakthrough as well. But I won't be surprised if a lot of teams go and follow in those footsteps and use their big body quick, you know, twitchy wide receivers in, a, in the same way that Debo Samuel did. I think Jamar Chase could do that. I think A.J. Brown could do that. I think that there are other handful of guys who could do what Debo Samuel did. And just that that amount of versatility is going to be extremely important for wide receivers in the league. And, you know, I think that Jamar Chase will be one of the young receivers that's kind of like at the forefront of that. He's already one of the better downfield blocking wide receivers in the league, so... You know he's physical enough where I I believe he could he could replicate Debo's success. Yeah, yeah. I think too. Like traditionally, I would have said like not that it's a single position, but like your line is the most, the probably the second most important. But I think, and I think I'd still probably stand by that. But I think like Jamar Chase mm-hmm. had shown that like a good wide receiver can sort of outweigh a bad line. Like mm-hmm. the Bengals' offensive line is horrible. And I mean, they played pretty well against the Chiefs, especially in the second half. But like, but he got sacked nine times against yeah, the Chiefs, and uh-huh. still yeah, won. exactly. And they're still in the Super Bowl now. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. Yeah. But it but it wasn't because of Jamar Chase though necessarily that game. It was their mm-hmm. kicker in their defense, the Titans game. Yeah, but I, mean, you I should, also you think you should clearly lose, obviously lose those games. Yeah, I I agree, Lucas. I I, I think that either. Your line or a defensive line like like Aaron Donald or something is probably the second most important position player still. I still I think wide receivers are just a dime a dozen. Like a good wide, rec- wide receiver can come from almost anywhere. They can come from Eastern Washington. We saw in Cooper <laughs> Cup. Um, shout out Eastern. <laughs> yeah, shout out. I've been We've on been the there. Field. Yeah, exactly. We we <laughs> stepped in Cooper Cup's like sweat probably at some point. Um, but I think, like, like, yeah, you can use the Jamar Chase argument that, like, oh, you just need a good wide receiver. It doesn't matter how good your line is. But then you can also – you could point to, like, the Rams when they had Jared Goff. Like, you don't actually need a good quarterback to, you know, to make the Super Bowl or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just – I still think the conventional wisdom works out well that, like, get a quarterback, protect him, and then go – and either get a quarterback, then either protect him or get somebody that's going to sack their quarterback and then get the receiver. I just think that they're – the value of a receiver in terms of demand, like supply and demand, there's just so many good receivers out there that, especially with just the way the league is and the rules and the penalties are, there's a lot of good receivers, I think. Yeah. Anybody have any last thoughts on the Bengals? We'll move over to the NFC. I might give you a transition here. Uh, I think it's. <laughs> I think that the Super Bowl is extremely interesting because we talked mm-hmm. about turnarounds. The Bengals are one side of a turnaround when it comes to drafting a guy num- number one overall. The following year, drafting Jamar Chase number five. They've, they've done this entire team practically through the draft, at least a lot of their core players have. And the Rams are on the opposite side of the coin where they're just saying, let's get rid of all of our picks. And then they have a number one overall pick from a different team. So it's kind of interesting like where teams are going to go you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl... Uh, the <laughs> NFC, the LA Rams, like why allude to advance the Super Bowl? So, Aiden, we'll turn to you for the next big question. Is the Rams Super Bowl appearance coupled with the Buccaneers a Super Bowl win last year? Um, validated super team strategy in the NFL. Jared has called all of these teams the Yankees <laughs> in the past. So, but does becoming the Yankees now work in football? 
I don't think either of those teams, the Rams or the Bucks, are a super team quite in the level that we've seen in some other sports. Um, I think that they have star power, that's for sure. To start with the Rams, they have some guys that are true stars. Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford. Um, Cooper Cup wasn't really a star before this year, but um, he was obviously a really good receiver before this year, but this year made him a star. Um, but some of their like big star power names are also guys who are like aging um, and have been good but are kind of past their prime, like Odell, Von Miller, um, the recently unretired Eric Weddle. Um, so I think that kind of skews the perception of the team to some degree. I just don't think the Rams are an over-the-top super team in the same vein as the Yankees. Um, they have the seventh highest payroll in the NFL. That's high, but it's below the Cowboys. Uh, it's below the Vikes part. It's below the Giants. Wyatt, which is really tragic. Um, wow. <laughs> the Bucks, another, like, as Lucas mentioned, another team associated with the super team label, have the 13th highest payroll. Um, the Yankees would not be caught dead with the 7th highest payroll. <laughs> or the 13th. It would just, they'd implode. It would just, yeah, the team would cease to exist. Um, so I think mainly we're seeing teams where, like, a QB joined a team that was missing one piece, a QB. Um, teams that had good bones in the first place. And to be fair, as kind of Wyatt alluded to, a lot of those good bones were not necessarily homegrown. You know, the the Rams went out and got Jalen Ramsey. Um, But largely, they already had plenty of talent, both homegrown and signed, and they added a QB. Um, And then once QBs come, they attract talent. And some of this talent is, like, is helpful, but is somewhat washed up and looking for their moment, the same way that we see in the NBA um, guys, you know, join LeBron's team. You know, A.B. and Gronk for the Bucks. Gronk had a really good year this year. Um, and they were both, you know, fairly productive. Odell has been, of late, very productive. Um, but they're both kind of like, I don't know, they're, they're past it. Um, and maybe that's sufficient criteria for being a super team, like adding guys who kind of are stars. Um, but it feels way less super teamish to me than, like, the Golden State Warriors adding KD um, after barely losing the NBA Finals. Um, or like this year in the MLB, we saw like the defending World Series champion Dodgers um, trading for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, prob- two of the top 10 or 15 players in baseball at the trade deadline. Like, I still don't think that the Rams or the Bucks are like approaching that level, um, in my opinion. I don't think you ever will get a super team, honestly, in the NFL. The way it's, str- I don't know how it shakes out, but the way it's structured. There's just so much more parity in the NFL than mm-hmm. any other league mm-hmm. I can think of. Mm-hmm. American American League. I agree. Bart, you look you look like you disagree. Perplexed. Well, I just think it it defeats the purpose of even asking this question if you're going to say it's not a super team. Like I think relative to other teams in the NFL, I definitely think the Bucks last year and the Rams this year could be considered super teams. I don't think like I mean think of how many homegrown stars on either of these teams are there? This year and last year, like two each, one each. The Bucks last year, I don't think had a single like. I think in that sense, they're super teams. And, but I don't think I, getting back to the question, I think it still doesn't change the fact that there are the reasons they were winning, and not just the fact that they were signing stars and so yeah. on. I but mean, like uh, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donalds, like right. But that's I, like Stafford, OBJ. But uh, OBJ is not a star of this team. He's a added on. He's, he's like, a big name. He's a big name, but he's yeah. he's a star. I mean, he's no. I, he was I, there. I he was there to replace star. Robert Woods, who was injured, who was out. Like they he signed would be him better Robert than OBJ. Yeah, but like Down. Robert Woods would be option number two. He definitely was option number two. Like, I okay. I mean, I guess it's. It's subjective, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Evaluating how good they have been versus how I think OBJ at the moment he was signed was still considered a relatively star-ish player, and then like Von Miller Ish. as well, like still definitely still has the name recognition. I know he's super old now, but I don't know. I just think relative to other team building in the NFL, you're not going to get well, much more super teamy yeah. than this. And and Bart's right. I think this is a super team given the amount of let's say top ten talent at a position. There are across the board. Jalen Ramsey is at least a top two corner. Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Stafford is a top eight quarterback, talent, like <laughs> I've always said. Arm Cooper talent. Cup is a top three wide receiver in the league. Odell Beckham Jr. is probably rejuvenated, maybe as a top ten wide receiver. You know, maybe. however you might look at it. Maybe. No. I would put, I'm putting him in there for the sake of my argument. But, you know, to, to, back, Jared, to back Jared's point, the way that the league is structured, there is so much parity that there is no combination of stars 
that you could put together on a team that can't be beaten on any given Sunday. And it's an incredibly risky approach because that given Sunday could happen in the most crucial moment uh, of your entire season. You know, there, there are a couple instances where the Rams already almost lost, you know, like to the Buccaneers and the 49ers wasn't even a given either. I know Stafford, they played, their stars played well, but it's a risky approach. And a lot of times it may pay out for just one Super Bowl, but not every team can do what the Rams did. Most teams shouldn't do what the Rams did and just trade everyone away and try to go for this. Why can't most teams do what the Rams did? Like this was luck or is it something specific for the Rams to the Rams organization? I mean, luck is opportunity plus timing or, you know, preparation plus opportunity type deal. But, you know, there, there's a, there's a chance that they might have gotten two matchups in the playoffs that were just unfavorable. And sometimes some teams, like if I were the Denver Broncos, if I traded all away or, you know, or like the Packers, you know, I think the Packers are an incredibly talented team. They just hit the wrong matchups, and, and that's the way it goes down sometimes. And not every team can afford to do it. Like the Rams, it's L.A. They can, they'll do it again, whatever. But, you know, the let's say the Packers in Wisconsin, they're not going to get a lot of guys back sometimes. So it's risky. <laughs> Agreed. Well, look at some other uh, sort of reasons why the Rams succeeded over the past few years. Kind of for also their coach Sean McVay. Uh, so I'll throw it out there just to anybody. Has McVay now definitively established himself as the best of the young coaches, including Shanahan, LaFleur, so yeah. You know, keep going on the list. No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yes, he's made two Super Bowls, but I, you give Kyle Shanahan that roster too, I think he does it too. He has Jimmy G. Like, sure, okay, you can say McVay did it with Jared Goff, but he has Jimmy G. He figured out to put Debo Samuel in the backfield, you know, and use him and use him to become a first team all pro this year. I, I think he's I think Kyle Shanahan is is pretty darn good. And and he's and he's owned Sean McVay for the most part, actually. At, at least recently he had. Like they were riding a six game win streak against him until this the third matchup of the year. You know. And even then it was still close. No, I think Shanahan deserves more credit than he's getting, but I'll let others disagree. Well, objectively, I would say Shanahan is the best guy, but it, it takes me back to an argument that we had in the bubble, post-bubble, where Jared said Anthony Davis can't possibly be the second best player in the NBA. And I said, as long as he's a champion or the reigning champion, he deserves to be the best player. It's a, his position to lose. And I think right now, Sean Mouvet being one of the two only coaches left, it's his position to lose. I would give him that nod. That nod right now mm-hmm. okay yeah and i also think that mcveigh like yes shanahan right now has jimmy g but mcveigh as we discussed earlier had jared goff for years and i feel like that should be considered i think you're right though jared that the fact that um shanahan has kind of dominated mcveigh um at times when he seems to have an inferior roster does is definitely a point for shanahan yeah and Jimmy G, like like uh, Aiden, you said earlier, Jimmy G's been hurt a lot of times too. So like that kind of tanks Shanahan's record a little bit too, if you look at records. But at I what feel point like... do they stop becoming young young coaches? <laughs> <laughs> like what age do we cut that off? And, and you know he's not when they're older than Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Bart, you were gonna say something too? Well, I was just gonna say I feel like McVeigh deserves credit for pulling the trigger and getting rid of his mediocre quarterback. Uh, all other things are being equal. Is that McVay, though, or is that the GM? I mean, if you don't think McVay had a big sway in that, then I have a bridge to sell you. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's in his place. But also, I'm, I just looked it up, and McVay is significantly better than Shanahan in the regular season. So even if Shanahan had been the one to make the Super Bowl this year, I don't know if I would have been convinced. But that's a separate. Yeah, but it's because yeah, it's because he yeah. doesn't. He has a backup quarterback like half the time, yeah. and then a replacement level quarterback with Jimmy Jimmy G. Uh, yeah, but I Jared Goff was replacement level. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but he but 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 he had literally had a backup when when Jimmy G was injured for like the thirty one games he was injured during that tenure <laughs> or whatever it was. Uh, it, it is interesting though, looking at their overall records, Mullins. like 
But yeah, Nick Mullins. But like Shanahan's record <laughs> is so much worse in the regular season than LaFleur or uh, McVay. I mean, Lef- like, LaFleur has Aaron Rodgers. couple years, but yeah, yeah. Um, but like they've been, McVay and LaFleur have been so consistent that Shanahan's like has had those those years that are, you know, he loses Jimmy G and the team just kind of um, caves completely. And they're a bit confusing. It's just weird, again, given that Jimmy G, we consider replacement level, and yet when he's out, they just totally tank. See, Kyle Shanahan, that's why it was like a Brian Kelly move. Kyle Shanahan and, and the Lynch, the GM, they trade away their first-round picks because they, they want to say, when I line up against Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and freaking Matt Stafford now, I have the same guys. They don't have the same guys with Jimmy G. Maybe you don't either with Trey Lance, but they had to take the chance. We'll see how it all plays out. Maybe Trey Lance will turn into the greatest quarterback of all time. But they happen all the time now. Like they, they, they need like a year to develop, and then all of a sudden they make the Super Bowl. What the heck? Yeah, like, I feel like well, I, I saw fantasy football quarterback rankings like for next year already, and people, some people have Lance at like fifth. Like we, <laughs> what? we have no idea what he's going to be, but some people are really high on him already. Yeah, that's great. Remember when well, they traded up to three to anyway to get a guy who probably wouldn't have been available at like ten or something? Well, we yeah, don't we don't know that. Oh, yeah, I big yeah. world, crazy, a lot of possibilities. Everybody was saying it's gonna like, be Mac Jones. Yeah, I was like, we also no. thought it was gonna and be Mac Jones, Jones was available Except, at fourteen, so yeah. they were gonna. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Aiden was one of the only mock drafts that I saw that did not have Mac Jones to the 49ers. <laughs> I can't believe you got that one right. That was pretty fun. That was great. I've been on a cold streak of late, but that's the one thing I, I hang my hat on. <laughs> that's, that's what I've inside left. knowledge yeah, of that exactly. one. <laughs> uh, well, moving from who might be the greatest quarterback of all time to who probably definitively is the greatest quarterback of all time, it was reported on Saturday that Tom Brady is retiring and confirmed on Tuesday after a few days of him sort of waffling on and then saying he was day-to-day. Uh, but he did officially announce <laughs> his retirement yes, on Tuesday. Um, and said this whole long Instagram post where he didn't mention the Patriots once. Uh, but Brady retiring brings up some interesting legacy questions about him and his generation of quarterbacks, seeing that him, along with Ben Roethlisberger, are probably the last of his generation of quarterbacks to retire. So, Bart, uh, do we think this generation of young quarterbacks, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, has a chance to pass Brady's generation of him, Peyton Manning, Dupree's, etc.? Yeah, I, it's I I think so, but it depends on how like how what criteria you're using. So I want to establish right away that I think we're saying that the old guard is Brady, both Mannings, Philip Rivers, Big Ben, and Drew Brees. That's like probably the relevant six. And then it, for the new the new five, I'm saying are uh, Her- Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, uh, Lamar, and. Who's the last guy? Baker Mayfield. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so that, that's the five I was looking at for the new one. So I think the, the question is, what criteria do you use? Because if we're talking about can they match the peak, then there's no chance. Like nobody's probably going to sniff Brady's seven Super Bowl rings, right? And then even if you're not talking about Brady, Manning is also in a class of its own because he's the only one with even more than four MVPs. He's got five MVPs. So probably none of these guys is going to match that either. So if you're talking about can like one or two quarterbacks from this class come out as good as those two guys were, then I think the answer is no. They probably don't have a chance. But if it's more a question of, like, can they generally be as successful as the six old dudes, for lack of a better term, <laughs> then I think so. And then I think the question is probably um, just can they, can they match the longevity? It's kind of nuts because all six of those old guys played 16 or more seasons, which is absurd. But I think that's probably part of the reason why we consider them to be so good is just because they were able to play for long enough to rack up the stats. But, like, so if you dive into it a little bit, um, like, specifically looking at stats and stuff like that, four of those old guys led the league in passing touchdowns at some point. Five of them uh, led the league in the yards. Five of them have a Super Bowl ring. And all six of them are probably going to make the Hall of Fame, right? I know we've, we've debated about Philip Rivers before. Um, I don't even remember where I stood on that, but I, I'm going to say probably won't make it. <laughs> well, that was, if you recall, that was the one, one of the debate ones where I was signed into a side. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so then uh, all six of them are top 10 all-time in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and top 15 all-time for wins. 
So then if you look at the new guys, we already have two different quarterbacks who have won MVP, right, in Mahomes and Lamar, which is kind of wild. And both of those two also have already led the league in passing touchdowns in their MVP seasons, which makes sense. None of them have led the league in yards yet, but it's coming inevitably. Herbert was second this year. Mahomes has been second a couple other times, so it's coming. Uh, obviously, Mahomes is the only one with the ring, but Burrow might match that this year as well in a few weeks. So basically, I think the question is literally, as I said before, longevity. If you extrapolate their numbers to 15 seasons, they will all be basically in the same ballparks. Lamar is the one iffy one on passing yards, but because he runs so much, I think it's a moot point. He would get in anyway because of the dual threatness. I think basically because players are generally playing longer, and medicine is always improving, they will be able to last that long, more or less. And then if it's just a question of like talent and ability, absolutely. I mean, they've shown they're all good enough. I think they'll get there. I don't think we're necessarily going to have anybody who wins even more than like two rings. Four of those old six guys won two rings, which is kind of wild. Um, I think we might see a bigger distribution in, in Super Bowl rings because the talent does seem a little bit better distributed this time. But it's also interesting because all five of these relevant guys are in the AFC, so they might kind of eat away at each other. But, uh, yeah, I think basically, if you think that they can last that long, I, I don't think it's, I don't think you can make an argument that they're not good enough to put up similar stats long term. The ring stats are the craziest part for me, like the old quarterback versus the new one. So if you look at 2001, when Brady won his first ring, until this year, they won 14 of the 20 Super Bowls. Wow. The times they did it were, uh, Brad Johnson was the quarterback of the Bucks in 02. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. That sounds like a Madden player I made. <laughs> I very distinctly remember that being the first Super Bowl I watched. I was very into it. Okay. Um, it was five. Um, and then Joe Flacco won in 2013. So there were 11 straight years where one of those six won. Um, and then Russell one Wilson five. won. <laughs> one of those five. Philip Rivers never. He's like he's getting oh, paid right, right, back. Right. He's, he's getting an A for a group project he didn't participate <laughs> in. <laughs> in, okay. in terms of rings, so yeah, of, of the five that won rings, one of them won it every year from O two to twenty thirteen, and then Russell Wilson twenty fourteen, Nick Foles twenty seventeen, Mahomes twenty nineteen, um, and then either Stafford or Burrow this year. But like that, just like period of dominance of winning every Super Bowl from O three to twenty twelve is crazy. Uh, and I don't know. I think there's definitely a chance that all the quarterbacks get there. I think, like, I agree with Barthel, like, the longevity of all of them, the talent there is there for it to happen. But, like, there's just so much luck that goes into winning a Super Bowl that, like, I, I agree with Barthel. I don't think any one of them will reach Brady's peak, but I think collectively they, they could probably put together a run. Like, one of them won, like, whatever it is, 10 straight Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's my question. Don't you think that at least one of those these young quarterbacks – is going to break. Don't you think all of Brady's like single season and career records are going to be broken? I think yes. they probably will be. Yeah. Like in terms of career, just like passing touchdowns, passing yards, yeah. career-wise, single single season. I'm sure all of those will be broken by this young group. Just because they pass way more often now that they know. Like you can, Mahomes literally can do a two-yard shovel pass. It's a pass, and it can, Tyreek Hill can just run for 50 yards, and there you go, <laughs> 50 yards. <laughs> Not, they don't really do the shovel pass that far out, but still. I mean, the it's shovel touchdown. pass has always existed, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. They don't use the Chiefs use the them every red zone possession. No, I I thought about trying to account for like how how well they played relative to other quarterbacks in their class, but then it just seems not worth the effort. But you're totally right. Inflation. Passing yards, everybody's going to end up in the top ten. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> QB I, I yeah. think from a rings perspective, I agree. It's going to be really hard to match them across the board and probably also from an MVP perspective as well. Maybe not, not so much in that respect. Uh, given that they're all in the AFC, it's going to be, they're going to kind of rotate or eat each other alive a little bit. But uh, to counterpoint Lucas, as far as like the sheer dominance where one of those six guys is winning over a span of 20 years, as of the mo- as it stands right now, and this can always change, there are no, or maybe one, young superstar quarterback in the NFC, right? And and so there's Kyler? probably Kyler Murray, but I don't also. But I mean, he's also kind of outside yeah. of my superstar category. That's yeah. another debate. But you know, like it, it, as far as like where the superstars are, they all exist in the AFC, and I think it's entirely possible that the AFC runs the NFL for a span of the next 20 years, assuming that, 
you know, CJ Stroud doesn't get drafted to a random team or Bryce Young doesn't get drafted to an NFC team and they dominate mm-hmm. the NFC, you know? Yeah. But, it's like the it's like the NBA's uh, Western Conference right now. Right. Or how it used the to be. The East is pretty decent, but yeah. The East is actually better than the West this year. Well, how, no, like how it used to be. Used Basically, to, yeah, 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 since yeah, I've been yeah. watching basketball, the West is like the yeah, conference. Always better. Yeah. 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 Also, I, I guess this is something I thought of. I included Aaron Rodgers in that group. Do we not collectively consider Aaron Rodgers in that group? Because uh, if so, if so, then it's one fewer Super Bowl. He's in the Jimmy G category. Yeah, I don't. Know. I was thinking about this. They're not even. Are they even close to? Anything? No. In, in my mind, it's <laughs> okay. like Aaron Rodgers goes with like Cam, Ross, Matt yeah. Ryan, Stafford. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird yeah, because fair. he was drafted in 05, which is just a year after Big Ben, I think, or two years. But he didn't start until '09, which is the weird okay, thing. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. seems like he shouldn't yeah. count. Yeah, that's totally fair. Okay, so then 13 of the 20 Super Bowls. He's the 20 still still at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Still crazy. Nice. Well, you know, we discussed it a little bit. Um... You know, the, nobody's probably going to reach Brady's peak or Manning's peak is probably impossible. But just for anybody out there, which of these current QBs do you think is most likely to get at least close to Brady's longevity or meet his level of success? If Burrow wins the like, this year, it's Burrow. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't think that that's a crazy take, to be honest. Uh, not necessarily because it sounds like recency bias to say that Joe Burrow is like this the best quarterback in the league or the best young quarterback. But a lot of analysts say this about Lamar Jackson. What does he do when he gets a step slower or his arm isn't as far or throws as far as it used to be? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson are all pretty heavy on athleticism as it goes. Joe Burrow is athletic. I mean, he's not like Tom Brady is athletic. He was still like 6'3", you know, 200-something pounds. But... Out of all of those guys, Joe Burrow has the skill set that does not rely on athleticism to where it could last him 20 years or so. Just to kind of throw an argument. That's a good argument. Do you think, do you think though, that the the way football is changing, though, like requires athleticism in a quarterback more than it did in the past? So, like, while the athleticism will slow and it'll hurt, like, it will be such an advantage to be so athletic that it might box out for him. Like I don't think that's true. Like I, I, I just I don't think wrong, he's gonna get left yeah. behind. You know I don't I don't think yeah. that that's gonna be a problem for him per se. Look at Brady. He had yeah, one of exactly. his best seasons ever <laughs> this year, yeah. and then he and then he just laced it up. But yeah. I think I think there's obviously there's a good argument for Mahomes, but even if he loses his athleticism. There's always like talks of like if he just he still has not really even like mastered the cerebral part of the game. Once he masters that, he might Clearly be unstoppable. <laughs> Clearly not. Okay. I mean, you know, yeah. he he could be like near unstoppable. You know, they what I mean? they outplayed him. <clears throat> the the Bengals outplayed him defensively. Mm-hmm. They spied. They did. They did some, some yeah, blitzes. There's a I saw a tweet that was like they they literally just dropped in yeah. the cover eight forty yeah. percent of the time or something mm-hmm. and he couldn't react. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I could have never been able to oh react my to that or this. Yeah. yeah. I do wonder if if you look back on the Chiefs like five ten years from now if like this will sort of be the end of their like because there's so many good up and coming. Yeah, you you AFC, really never know. Tyree. And Kelsey are not getting younger. They and might. Think that, like, I, I don't know. I, it's the eat each other alive, and there's no combination of players that that is not that are not unbeatable. What if Josh Allen and Justin Herbert run into each other for the next five years? In their side of the bracket. That's not too. They run into each other in their side of the bracket, and you know some some of these guys yeah. like it, you never know. Josh Allen might have to go through Herbert. And Burrow, and then you know they get the Chiefs at the end or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's not entirely possible. Like, I mean, the extent to which like Josh Allen's like I feel like reputation as a quarterback has been stunted just by playing Mahomes every year in the playoffs. Yeah. It's like pretty high. Like he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, they made the AFC Championship last year, but like he doesn't have any like real tangible playoff success. That's just because they come. He comes up against Mahomes and loses. You wonder if somebody will pull a Breeze, because I think Breeze of those six old guards was the only one who really left, like, not at the very beginning or very end of his career, and he went from AFC to NFC. So maybe, like, Josh Allen might (laughs) get tired of Mahomes. 
Yeah, that. But was that a was that a free agency decision or a trade for Breeze? I think it was a fantastic question. Well, but if it was a trade, it was instigated by him, wasn't it? I, yeah, like it was, I think I thought he had they, an they, injury. They benched him, right? And they were they were kind of done with him. Yeah, it was a free agent. It was free agency. Oh, okay. Um, I just looked it up. Yeah, it was between the Dolphins and Saints. Went to the Saints. The rest mm-hmm. is history. <laughs> uh, but I think that'll about wrap up our NFL discussion for today. We're going to have one last little NBA <coughs> segment at the end. Um, and the NBA trade deadline is coming up on February 10th. And in honor of that, we've gone through five teams sort of right on the bubble of contention or buying and selling at the deadline and debate whether we think they should buy or sell. <coughs> so we'll start with the Toronto Raptors. Um, as of the time of recording, the Toronto Raptors are currently 26-23 and 23 and sit at the 8th seed in the East. So, Aiden, should they buy or sell? I'm going sell with the Raptors at the moment. I, to be fair, I understand that if there was ever a year for like an 8th seed to send it um, and try to make some moves <laughs> at the deadline, it's this one. Um, six games separate, I think, currently the, the one seed and the 8th seed Raptors. Um, but I think an eight seed should only really go for it if they've had injury issues one and are expecting to return to full health. Um, and I think the Raptors have been healthy-ish. They've had their main guys Van Vliet, Siakam, um, Scotty Barnes have, have generally been healthy, even though they've missed a couple games. Um, or two, like it seems like the team's gaining momentum, and it doesn't really seem like they're gaining momentum of late. They're five and five. They've been, I think, better than expected to some degree this this year, and I think like there are definitely bright spots. Like Scotty Barnes, like that pick was pretty heavily criticized uh, at the time. I think he was drafted fourth overall, um, but he's looked pretty good. And their like young core of him and Van Vliet um, and Siakam seems like it could be good for years to come. Um, so I think they should sell and bet on the future to some extent. Uh, they're they're almost certainly going to trade Goran Dragic. Um, who like has played five games this year and apparently just will not play um, for this young Raptors team. It doesn't even seem like he's injured. Um, so I don't know what they can get for him because he's in the twilight of his career, but but something. Um, and I think the year for the Raptors to go all in is probably in the next couple of years, but we're not there yet. Um, so I'm selling. I also, I also agree they should be selling. I, and like Aiden said, Every package is like Goran Dragic and somebody or yeah. whatever. Yeah. The thing that apparently is nice about Goran uh, Dragic's contract is um, it's expiring this year. So teams that like need to free up some calorie uh, or calorie salary cap <laughs> space, <laughs> teams that need to f- uh, free up some salary cap space and have people that are like under multiple years of contract can give them to the Raptors and the Raptors have a lot of cap room next year. Um, so that makes them attractive for a lot of people I saw. A lot of times they were saying that the Raptors should go after a big man. I saw Mo Bamba thrown out there actually a lot um, with mm-hmm. the Magic. And um, I saw a couple others that weren't centers like Eric Bledsoe or something like that, which I thought would be kind of interesting. But, yeah, generally I think just sell and, like, see what you can do in free agency next year. All right. We're going to move next to another Eastern Conference team, the Atlanta Hawks, who as of the time of recording are 24 and 26 and sit at 10 the east so why should the hawks buy or sell they should buy going from making the eastern conference finals to missing the playoffs is a really bad way to build momentum for the young talented team and uh, the hawks should do whatever they they need to to make a push for the playoffs this year luckily with trey young being so young and being 23 years old i think they can afford to take risks because obviously he's not going to get traded the core of their team is young enough to where you have five more years or, or so where you can kind of grow on it uh, they should show up their front court and their defense and miles turner from the pacers is a guy that shows up a lot he's a big body shot blocker that should have the hawks defense uh kind of check in line and he'll also be a fun pick and roll uh, option for trey as well clint capella was also a guy who is off the board and in, in trade dis- discussions but he's not a heavy defense guy he's more of an offense guy pick and roll type guy and he should kind of take the load off offensively for Miles Turner, even though he's very talented. So a burnable contract like Danilo Gallinari and a first-round pick or John Collins might be the exchange piece for them, but they should try to make whatever moves they need to to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that they should buy. If you'd asked me a month ago, 
I might say sell, sort of like bide your time and retool around Trey, but they've <clears throat> been surging recently. They had a really big win streak. And I think that they have a chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs, um, either through the playing games or as like the sixth seed. Because, again, like Anna said, the East is so close this year. Like, they are currently the 10th seed, but they're only uh, five games out of being the sixth seed and missing the spot. So, like, over the course of the last 30 games of the season, that's nothing. So I think that, like, they should buy now. I think, in addition to what Wyatt said, I think they can use a true number two for Trey. Uh, mm. Obviously, they need to fix the defense, too, defensive bigs, too. But I think a true number two to play around Trey is really important, too. I've seen both Jalen Brown and Pascal Siakam thrown out there. They're really intriguing options. I don't know if either of those are, like, reasonable trade options, and I don't necessarily know if they are. But if they can somehow swing a package for either of them, i say buy the second get offered for it. So, yeah, I think they're definitely a buy as well. Alright, next we're moving on to the Los Angeles Lakers, who at the time of recording are 24 and 27 and sit at 9th West. Haha, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bart, buy or sell? <laughs> They're the Yankees. I literally, I'm saying bye, and my, my fundamental reasoning is because they're the Lakers. It's the best cop-out ever. You're the uh-huh. Lakers, you have LeBron, you have to go for it. I mean, they yeah, they've kind of mortgaged their future, but also like it's it's there's more to it than that. Uh, first of all, like I don't know, they're having John Wall rumors, right? John Wall for Westbrook. I don't think it's. I still think Westbrook is just fundamentally untradeable. So in that <laughs> sense, you have to try to add. Um, but also, Westbrook, Davis, and LeBron have only played 16 games together. Like LeBron's missed like 15, Anthony Davis has missed 20 games. So I think. I, I, I like genuinely believe if they just had more time to try to gel and, and put the pieces together that are already there, they would be okay. But, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they definitely have weaknesses that I think they could try to shore up and, and make sure that they actually get into the playoffs. They are, like, fourth worst, I think, in defensive points allowed. Terrible. So if they could swing for, like, a 3 and D guy, that'd be useful. It'd also be useful because they're below average in shooting. So I think those are probably their two biggest assets that they could look for, and we know how much LeBron likes being able to just drive and kick out the shooter, so that would be useful. So, like, some names that I've seen are Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald. Uh, Buddy Heald especially is interesting because the Kings are just awful. They are on, like, they're on, like, a big losing streak, and it seems... I, I saw one quote that said that Heald is trying to lower his trade value as much as possible yeah. or something like that <laughs> with how he's been playing. And then Gary Trent Jr. was another one. So I think any of those guys that kind of, like, yeah, could, could put together some sort of combination of three-point shooting and defense would be useful because those seem like two things that the Lakers really could improve on. And I think they yeah. should be trying to improve. They should still make the playoffs. Yeah. Aiden, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree on the, the buy standpoint, just because like, they're all in at this point. Why why stop now? This is not the time to, to rebuild when you still have LeBron and AD and all these aging stars. Um, and I don't think the options are good. I think you laid them out pretty well, Bart. Um, I, they can definitely try to move Russ. I'm definitely skeptical. Um, and Russ has looked a bit better of late since he got benched. So that's that's something. It's <laughs> um, all it takes. Um, and there, yeah. Um, in terms of the assets, though, to get someone like Buddy Heels, um, who I, I would be a nice addition, even though he's been definitely has regressed this year. Um, seems like Taylor Horton Tucker is the only one they've got going, and he's also regressed this year. Um, they were talking about last year how they, you know, potentially include him in a package for Kyle Lowry, um, which would have been the move uh, Monday morning quarterback. Um, but anyway, I, I think they've they've got to buy, but I <laughs> the options are pretty bleak in terms of buying. I think their best bet is just hoping that you know things come around to playoff time and everyone's somehow healthy. Um, and they kind of gel a bit more. Yeah, I think that's fair. So next up, we're going to go to the team right below the Lakers in the West, the Portland Trailblazers, who are currently the 10th seed in the West and 21-30 at the time of recording. Oh. I'll go to the uh, the hometown voice for this one, so Wyatt, uh, with the Blazers, buy or sell. I just jumped on the 10th seeds, huh? I didn't realize that I had both 10th seeds <laughs> yeah. when I said that. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with sell, kind of sell. It's time for Portland to do something that they haven't done in Dame's entire career, which is go all in. Because they love to have these rotational pieces, but they never really surround him with any other huge talents or like a true number two. I know CJ is that guy, but Yusuf Nurkic, Robert Covington, and CJ McCollum should be all be pieces that are on the move, and that's why I say sell. It's time to move on from CJ. 
Um, I would look to snag a guy like Miles Bridges and Kelly Oubre from Charlotte for an exchange for Nurkic and Covington or some picks or whatever that takes. But both are relatively cheap for the time being. Bridges is a breakout who cost some, you know, reluctance for the Hornets to pay him, which might put him on the trade market. And CJ will most likely find his way uh, to New Orleans for a combo of Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, or Devontae Graham, something like that. So if this year ends up failing and they won, they add way more depth to their team. They add a lot more youth to their team. Uh, and they don't end up making the playoffs anyway. They can trade Dame off to, to Philly for Ben Simmons. They could re-sign <laughs> some of these young guys. And they could start a core over all over again. Their core would be Bridges and, and for me, Anthony Simons, who was a breakout this year as well, and Ben Simmons. So they're selling to make the playoffs this year, but they're also kind of giving themselves a little bit of flexibility in the situation. Jared, what do you think? Yeah, I agree and probably don't have too much to add. Basically, the prevailing sentiment from uh, the Blazers beat writers is you keep you keep Anthony and you keep Dame and everybody else can go. Like they used to like we all love CJ. Yusuf Nurkic has been nice, but like McCollum's contract is absolutely terrible. I'm sure like the Wizards or something would pick that pick up that contract. They seem to do that often. He's not John Wall or uh, Russell Westbrook, maybe in terms of selling tickets, but seems like that's all the Wizards care about sometimes. Um, but yeah, pretty much need to get, need to free up some space by getting rid of CJ. Um, and that's really all I have to add, to be honest. I would yeah. love to see the Blazers make a real run. If you are going to trade Dame away, don't give us Ben Simmons. Give us like Jalen Brown or I would something. Ra- yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if I were to, to buy a ticket for the Portland Trailblazers, I would rather pick Jalen Brown, but Ben yeah. Simmons is like kind of like the going name that surrounds Dame. And CJ McCollum is growing. The rumors for him going to New Orleans are getting hotter and hotter, which is why he's part of my deal. Yeah. Well, we got a new GM that apparently doesn't that doesn't think that they've created the perfect roster. So there, well, I think have, there's some I mean, hope. Yeah, I can tell you that, and I'm not even a GM. <laughs> no, but but all, Neil Olshay thought they did. He thought he thought it was the coaching, yeah. and he had the perfect roster. Well, yeah. Chauncey wants to to have more defensive guys, and I think that they need to add some some actually talented wings on this team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we'll wrap up then uh, with Boston Celtics, uh, who are currently, time recording, 27-25 and 19. So I'll start us off with Celtics, and I think they should be sellers at this point. Um, it sort of seems like the core of Tatum and Brown and Smart has kind of fizzled out. Um, they like had a really good early peak. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018 and 2020, but the team has been stagnant, and I kind of think anybody who isn't Tatum should be on the block. I think they think to, need to just shake things up. Tatum is probably the best piece to, turn, to build around at this point. He did miss 20 straight threes recently, but that... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, he so what? <laughs> yeah. But that being beside the point, I think like guys like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart still have a decent amount of value, and you could trade them off and get something. And I think it's better to trade them off before they get uh, they lose too much value and just try your best to build around Tatum because they're not going anywhere. They're just sort of like parked in neutral at this point, and like I think they've missed their window with this current core. So I think it's sort of time to sell and rebuild. Bart, what do you think? Yeah, you're, I think you're exactly right. I think they should be focusing on clearing the way for, for signing some sort of star alongside Tatum this offseason. Apparently, there are people who aren't certain that Tatum is the one they should be keeping as opposed to Brown, which yeah, baffles me. But, uh, I mean, I guess that's management could figure that out. I think the point is that they definitely should be selling somebody. Um, I, I, like, I know we've talked about how close the East is this year. But I just think, like, if you think the Celtics are contending, you're lying to yourself, even with this core. Um, two people specifically... Uh, that they should probably focus on moving now are Horford and Schroeder. <laughs> I always laugh when I hear Schroeder's name Schroeder. come up because I feel like he's like the NBA's punching bag for trades <laughs> and whatnot. But, like, he's just like always on the move. But their contracts are bad, and they've both been bad this year. They're like not necessary to this core at all anymore. So some things that they could try to move around if they can get somebody to eat those, eat those contracts. But yeah, I'm with Lucas. Keep Tatum. Try to find another star or rebuild that way. The Lakers are cooking up a trade package for... Uh, Jason Tatum now, centered around Taylor Horton Tucker. So now that, now that they know that they people are uncertain whether or not they should keep Tatum, 
It's one for one. Yeah, yeah just straight <laughs> swap. Easy. Yeah. Lakers, and a Lakers will give like first round pick. Exactly. Like they'll give them like <laughs> next eight first round. Twenty forty two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Unprotected recently, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I learned this recently too that the you can't trade back to back first round picks in the NBA. Yeah, competitive balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened because oh. the Cavs in like the '80s traded like four straight first round picks and just like tanked their franchise, mm-hmm. and so they made it a rule after that that you have to have at least one first round pick every two years. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's I I like that rule. Yeah, yeah I do too. I agree. It works for the NBA when when you only have five players on a court at a time. A draft yeah. pick is much more important, or uh, um, having I guess having an opportunity to get a star is much more important. And that'll do it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed what you heard, please consider giving us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As Wyatt always says, if you don't want to give us five stars, then just don't leave a review. Um, but please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at you thought sport and tune in next week for I'm sure what will be a awesome, awesome week of uh, sports topics.